0: Father in heaven, I want to thank you so much for this group of people, for your love. Father, the less we focus on ourselves and the more we focus on you, the more of your healing healing love comes into our lives. And we're just so grateful. May you be magnified today. Prepare hearts, give me words, give Evelyn words, and give Jerry words. We thank you, dear God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please bless all the seminars. So some of you are here for the first time. Welcome to Balanced Living Boot Camp. What I said yesterday, I will repeat, and that is, this is a three-part seminar, and what our objective is in this seminar, hi Peggy Lee, I see you there. What our objective is in this seminar is for you to have sharing tools that are purposeful. Jesus' life was full of purpose. And when we have meetings that just have no, no particular purpose except to feel good, then we're not fulfilling God's purpose. He has a message, he has a mission, he has seed that he has given us. We are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. So we want your ministry to be purposeful. We want for your ministry to be practical. Evelyn is sharing, how to make it practical. But most importantly, I'm not gonna say most importantly, the delivery system is that it has to be personal because the the ground has to be prepared for the good seed so that we are not sowing good seed on stony ground or, or, or thorny ground. And so the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, I love this scripture, it says in the morning This is Ecclesiastes 11, verse 6. It says, In the morning, sow your seed. And in the evening, do not withhold your hand. For you do not know what will prosper, either this or that. And I love the last line. Or whether they both alike will be good. Isn't that just incredible? I've heard the most amazing stories of Incidental meetings, just a word dropped here, a piece of literature there. And years later, you find out that this incredible sequence of events occurred just because we were available. And most of Jesus' ministry took place when he was being interrupted. Interruptions are divine moments. And when you have your literature with you and when you have that spirit of, of reaching out to others, God will make create many divine appointments. And we're told that light seekers will be brought by angels to light bearers. What a blessing. So it says, remove sorrow from your heart, put away evil from your flesh. There's personal preparation. And so I hope that these meetings also are a blessing to you personally as well as professionally. Um, I'm going to ask Peggy Lee to come on up for just a minute. I won't take too much time, Peggy. By the way, I I just thought it'd be really great. I I brought my Bible marking plan. It's over on the table. and And i brought some. It's available. But to have the seed of God's word in your heart is so important. And I knew nothing, zero, about God or the Bible. I became an atheist very young in life because of the doctrine of eternal torment. I couldn't believe in a God like that. And so my life went completely spinning out of control for many years. So in my mind and in my heart, I can't separate the truths of God's word from the gospel. There's, to me, there isn't doctrine and then Jesus. No, it's all Jesus. The truths about God he is so misunderstood because of these falsehoods. And so this is so that we can overlearn really important truths that we're going to have to know at the end of time. So I'm going to put this over there and I'm going to put my Bible over there. It's a Bible marking plan so that you can interact with your Bible. And I praise God for that. So sowing beside all waters, sowing in the morning, sowing in the evening. Peggy, Lee shared her testimony this morning. She introduced herself to me yesterday. And Peggy, did you go through professional training in order to be able to hold, um, do, to do ministry? Did no. you No. What kind of training did you go through? Um, the food for thought one was just dropped on you. But for the Holy Spirit but training first, I right? Went, um I went
1: dropped for on for you.
0: <laughs> well they didn't okay. have anyone they didn't have anyone to co facilitate. Okay, so so much so for they
1: volunteers. Had, so they, they they basically asked said, well hey we need somebody so I stepped up and helped them.
0: Yeah but you weren't supposed to be able to do that. No, I was told in grade when I was in elementary I would not make it past grade nine. Grade nine was the last grade I would go to and in 1995, I walked across my stage in high school and got my grade 12 diploma. And Peggy has held yes, praise God. Yes, let's give her an affirmation. We can give her some applause. And <laughs> praise God. Yes, Amen. Amen. So the Lord really blessed and raised up this humble worker for God, and she uh, not only held a Foods for Thought program, but I also took, um, depression no way out. Neil Netley's program, and facilitated that program with my church, with another coordinator. There was only two of us that were qualified to do it, so we held that program as well. And eight weeks to wellness and ten Bible study requests, and I don't think she's going to have to apologize uh, (laughs) when Jesus comes because whom he calls, he equips. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Peggy. Thank you for sharing that. I just am so thankful for the anointing of God on people, the call to, to serve it's not about how capable, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't add value to our our lives, our training. It doesn't mean we just go out there and expect God to zap us with skill. We've got to work and we've got to learn, amen? Just because it's hard doesn't mean God isn't in it. So uh, today I want to just to talk to you for a very few moments about the battle. We're all in a battle, aren't we? And when Evelyn and I run uh, obesity programs or diabetes programs or addiction programs or depression programs, and by the way, the materials that you see me do, they're available. They're, They're for you to use. They're over here on the table. It's Christmas in June. Everything is, just about everything's half price. So we want to get these evangelistic tools for soul winning into your hands in a winsome, balanced way. God wants to give back Everything that sin has broken and taken away, and I'm all in. How about you? Amen. All right. So, uh, what was I talking about? Oh, the battle. Yeah, we're all in a battle. So, so here's here's the deal. The addicted brain is fighting hard. The brain that is that is has an eating disorder or. Obesity or diabetes or some of these metabolic syndromes where everything has been hijacked. Every system has been hijacked. The brain of this person is fighting hard, but I believe we have to fight smart. Amen. How many of you want to fight smart? Yes. So we've identified five battlefronts for this war. Would you like to see what they are? Yes. All right, I'm going to ask somebody to hit the panic button over there. That's what they call it. That really is the name of that thing, It's the panic button. So if somebody would turn off the, turn the panic button for me and get the light out, I'd appreciate it. Thank you, Evelyn. So we're talking about from wanting to winning uh, today for just a few minutes as we address the big picture. I call it the Zacchaeus picture. Jesus, Zacchaeus needed a picture of Jesus. He wanted to see him, but he, was, he had a disability. He had a disability, Peggy. He, he had a defect. He was short. I'm not, that, not that that's a defect, but just because you ha- we all have defects, but we want to see Jesus. So Jesus is looking for tree climbers, and he'll prepare a tree for you. And so I want us to clarify So to me, when I have my worship and I study big things that aren't going to affect me right this minute, like prophecy or investigative judgment or the sanctuary, these are amazing pictures of the mind of God. And I feel like that's my tree-climbing time. And so I want to climb a tree with you and look at the five areas of battle where we have to help people fight and where we have to fight, because everybody has a different area where they are struggling. It's not going to be the same for everybody. So I just want to take a look with you at obesity maps. This is from the Centers for Disease Control. Uh, And the colors here that you see on this map represent percentage obesity Uh, in that state so back in the year 2000 this is what the map looked like with the lighter color representing more than 20 percent of the population being overweight or obese this is 15 to 19 percent the lighter colors 10 to 14 percent now we are going to switch to 2011 whoa what happened to the map now we have a large section of the United States more than 35 percent of the population overweight or obese. One in every three children born in the year 2000 is gonna develop type two diabetes in childhood and their life expectancy is 45. Their parents will outlive them. We're in a pandemic. We're in a pandemic of depression and anxiety. We're in a pandemic of obesity and addiction and diabetes uh, and depression. It's like one cardiovascular surgeon told me. He said 90% of Americans need quadruple bypass. They need to bypass McDonald's, bypass Wendy's, (laughs) bypass Pizza Hut, (laughs) bypass Arby's. Yeah, they've got the meat all right. So let's talk about this battle that we are fighting, because it it affects all of us. First of all, one battlefront is your environment. Your environment is what surrounds you. We live in an anonymous society, a boundaryless, timeless uh, environment. And, and so when we do our programs on media addiction, we have to address the same things because there are lack of boundaries, lack of interruptions, lack of things to, that stop us. You're a click away from whatever you want. When you're at the store and you have to stand in line and wait, you may get distracted, you have time to think about it, you're waiting in line, someone will talk to you. But when you're online and it's just you interacting with a product online, then you have lost boundaries. And so we need vigilance. No wonder the Lord said be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, is going about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So your environment is what surrounds you. Food is available anytime, anywhere, for any reason. I want to show you a strawberry shake. This is a fast food strawberry shake right there. Now, (laughs) I will give you a free book or anything on the table if you can find a strawberry in that shake. Now, it is true that some of these these compounds are just chemical esters that are found naturally in a strawberry. that give it its color, or its flavor, or its texture. But that's like calling a stack of sticks a barn. So all of the compounds, so this is, it's highly hedonic, very flavorful, and it tricks the brain into thinking that you have had a nutritious experience, because it's very pleasurable. So we have to be vigilant when we're exposed to these things, because it's really chemical wizardry, and it's very highly addictive food. So that leads us to the next battlefront. The battle of culture. Your culture is what pressures you. It may be the culture of work. It may be the culture at school. It may be your heritage or your family. It may be a religious group. So so your culture, the culture that surrounds you is what you think about your food. What do you think about your food? And it's what others think about your food. That's your culture. And so learning to address the cultural battleground, and how to integrate positive, healthy choices in a gracious way into a hostile culture, a potentially hostile or questioning culture, is something that it's, these are tools that we need to do. I mean, I, have, I come from an Italian, I'm an Italian, I come from an Italian background, obviously. My family's in the wine business. I learned how to v- drive in a vineyard and um a friend of mine who's 100% italian also who went to italy he he worked on the space shuttle his name is bob and he went to italy to visit uh relatives and he ordered uh, at a table he asked for perrier water instead of wine he's a seventh day adventist and his family said you're not only are you not an italian you're not even a man
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> my i went to a restaurant with my with my family and and it was so embarrassing, because my sister's fluent in Italian, and they go to Italy every year. And, they, and they, the, 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 the matron comes out with a towel, and he brings the wine, and they bring it to the signora, and she smells and swirls it around. Yes, this is good. you know. And, and then he, want, he comes to bring me a, a glass, and my brother-in-law said, don't give her any. And, and he, goes, he starts talking to my sister. What's wrong with her? Is she sick? Does she have an infection? What's, what's the matter with her? You know, Is <laughs> she crazy? What? And he kept it up, kept it up. Finally, my brother-in-law said, she goes into fits if she drinks, so just leave her alone. And he never bothered me again. So, you know, this is not nothing. We, We are so good at giving people lists of things to do without realizing the battles that people have to fight in order to survive really wonderful changes that God wants to bring. So that brings us to the battle of your biology and your biology is what changes you. So what, as I've said in a couple of meetings already, what begins as a curiosity or what begins as an emotional fix or what begins as uh, just doing what the gang is doing quickly changes the biology. And so appetite control, what we say in our obesity programs is that the battle is not for the bulge. It's for the brain. and it's, And it's not about weight control. It's about appetite control. And that's a brain thing. So when we drink the sweetened pops and things like that, it turns on peptides that say, I am hungry. Then you, then, then you have the fattening burger, the saturated fat burger, and shake with it, and it actually dials down leptin that t- tells you you've had enough. So you have one signal telling you you're hungry, and the other signal that should tell you you've had enough is being turned off. That's a biology battle. So this is no longer a spiritual problem. Now it's an organic metabolic problem. Are you with me? And that's why we have to understand and appreciate the process of change and take joy in the battle of perseverance. Because it's not quick, it's not easy, and it's not simple. But it is God-filled. God will give you what you need to press in, press through, and press on to victory. And the changes will come. They will come. But that doesn't mean it's always going to be comfortable. And that brings us to the next thing. Um, These strong biological shifts occur with high intake of low fiber calorie dense foods. So you have fatigue. We're telling people to go out and exercise. And biologically, they're fatigued because their cells are not getting glucose. That's from insulin resistance. They have cravings and elevated stress hormones, which lay down that mid-body fat. But just, this is why we, we want you to do, we try to teach you in our classes to do what you know and not what you feel. We, we brush our teeth because we know it's good. We don't brush our teeth just when we feel like it, do we? And so we keep our choppers because of it. So this is something that is very important for us to understand. The battle is also for the brain. So it's a battle of your environment. That's what surrounds you. It's a battle of culture. That's what pressures you. It's a battle of your biology. That's what changes you. And it's a battle of your brain. That is what drives you. As we develop full understanding of the neural regulation of appetite, I think the what? The addictive nature of foods will come clear. These addictions can develop at various stages of life. And they are not just very powerful, they are very, very powerful. That's Charles Billington. That's not Charles Billington, but this is Charles Billington from the North American Study Association for the Study of Obesity. And finally, the fifth battlefront is the spiritual battle, and that is who leads you. How many of you think that there's even one of these that we can leave out in our battle? Uh, and, and, and understanding this when we're helping people, it will help us to show more mercy As people struggle, because someone may have a huge battle in one area and the other is a piece of cake. Well, no pun intended. Um. (laughs) So the spiritual battle is who is leading us. And God is the victor in this thing. It takes daily time with God, it takes daily positive choices to, to win the battle of our biology and win the battle of the brain. It takes perseverance, it takes time, it takes perseverance. It takes perseverance and time to to win the cultural battle, and it takes daily time with God to develop a strong spiritual life to give you the discernment of how to navigate through a tricky environment. Amen? The Bible says, Curb every passion and be on the alert. Your great accuser, the devil, is going about like a roaring lion to see whom he can devour. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one amen I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go I will guide you with my eye upon you can it get any more personal than that so I want your life and your ministry to be purposeful every day don't look at your qualifications you just keep adding value to your life do the studying do the reading spend time with God time with God in the Bible will increase our capacity for knowing Christ. That's an inspired quote that I'm quoting to you. Our capacity for knowing Christ, as we spend time in his word, it expands the intellect. He builds the capacities. And so don't be satisfied where you are, but that doesn't mean that God cannot begin to build value into every area of your life so that your life is purposeful, your ministry is purposeful. He will teach you how to be practical and how to be personal so that the delivery system um, is gentle. Amen? Amen. All right, so I'm going to put my Bible marking plan and my Bible over here on the table. I'm going to invite Evelyn to come up. And she is Miss Practicality par excellence. She can get total strangers to eat Brussels sprouts. I have seen it happen. I don't know how she does it. I'm still learning.
1: Well, Vicki, I've never seen you go through it that fast. That was amazing, wasn't it?
0: Well, there was a little lecture in that, wasn't
1: there? It was great. <laughs> <laughs> she did a great job. Well, the most important thing is to get this thing on here. Okay. All right. The most important principle in getting appetite under control is to make sure you're getting enough fiber. Dietary fiber is the answer to getting appetite under control. Yesterday, we talked about sugar intake, and this is a quiz. How many grams of sugar is in a teaspoon? Four. So when you see sugar on the label, divide it by four, and you've got an idea about how much sugar is in there. When we don't get enough dietary fiber, as we're talking about today, you're... Uh, the, the possibility of, of craving sugar is intensified. So a lot of people who crave sugar, they're, getting, they're wanting their carbs. The body and the brain want carbs. That's energy foods. But we want to get our carbs from the right place. Okay, dietary fiber. How, what is the goal, the, the grams of fiber that we're shooting for, for the day? 30 to 50 grams of fiber. And who gets what? Okay, so uh, what's the average intake for Americans? 10. 10, yes, so most people are not getting very much fiber and we want 30 to 50. So you don't go from 10 to 50 in a day, okay? You gradually increase the amount of fiber. So where does fiber come from? Fiber is found in all foods that God made, and so when it start, when we start to take things apart and put it in bags and boxes, uh, then that's usually when the fiber is taken out. So the food that uh, what are some things that are high in fiber? Beans, beans, Brussels sprouts, Brussels sprouts. fruits, flaxseed, flaxseed. grains, grains. Exactly. So any of the vegetables and some of the higher ones are squash and sweet potatoes, beets. So when you get foods high in fiber, we're looking at fiber foods, I'm not talking about taking fiber supplements or eating fiber bars, but when you eat foods high in fiber, you're getting a package of nutrients, phytochemicals, vitamins and minerals that help to balance the body and balance the brain and balance those appetite hormones. When the appetite hormones, the biology, is thrown off, you know, you can talk to your blue in the face, but when the biology is, is, is not getting in line, then you can have all the knowledge, but it's very difficult to make those choices. And we're always playing offense instead of defense. So starting the day off with good fiber is a smart thing to do. When you're choosing a cereal, choose a cereal with at least how much fiber in it? At least three for my kids, five for adults. So like uh, Raisin Bran has eight grams of fiber. And I tell my kids, is that a thumbs up or thumbs down? It's a thumbs up cereal, right? And this one is called Get Balance. Ten grams of fiber in a serving. That is the highest I've ever seen. Bran flakes is about six. Shredded wheat is about six. What do you think corn flakes would be? One wimpy gram. How about special K? Zero grams. And then this is another high one, ten. Now, you can use some of these cereals, but the very best choice would be oatmeal, right? How many grams in a serving of oatmeal? It depends on your serving side. Four, is it better to eat optimal cereal with 10 grams or oatmeal with four?
2: Oatmeal.
1: Oatmeal, why? Because it's
2: got four
1: grams in it. Because Because it hasn't been processed, right? The closer you get to the way it's grown, the better it is, right? So uh, choosing foods that are high in fiber. Now beans happen to be the highest. We want at least 30 grams a day and a cup of beans has half the fiber you need for the day. It's as high in antioxidants as berries. So they are great for you. Yes. Uh, they're between 10 and 15 grams in a cup. Yeah. So any kind of beans, lentils, split peas are high in fiber. Now, if you're diabetic, what we say is uh, have beans often. And when we did our diabetes reversal in Marshall Islands, we had beans for breakfast, beans for lunch, and beans for supper. And we were able to turn around diabetes in a couple of weeks, which was pretty amazing. So a high-fiber food is beans. So when you create a meal, you don't ask am I going to have beans, the question is, how do I fit beans into this meal? So you're always looking for ways to sneak it in. I did this lecture one time, and the next week we had our second session, and I said, okay, tell me ways that you put, you use beans. And the lady says, I put it in my pancakes. I go, what? White beans in my pancakes. Nobody knew it, and it was delicious. Uh, So she hid them in the pancakes. Now, I've seen waffle recipes with beans. But anyway, you can get really creative. You know, put it in tomato sauce, use red beans in the tomato sauce and blend them up. So what are the reasons why we want fiber? It helps the appetite. And we talked about the leptin and the grillin yesterday, and that helps to balance those appetite hormones. But what else do you know about fiber? What? It helps to keep your digestive system going well. How long is your digestive system? Would you hold this? Sure. How, how many feet is your digestive system? It's about 30 feet if you're an adult, smaller if you're a child. And so we need fiber to help. You can let go of it now. <laughs> or not. <laughs> We need fiber to move the food through the digestive system. But now we're learning that the digestive system loves fiber foods for reasons that we're just now discovering. Have you heard of the microbiota? The microbiota are the bugs in your gut. Do you want bugs in your gut? Absolutely. But the types of foods that you eat determine what kind of bugs grow. When you eat fiber foods, you have a certain uh, colonies of microbiota that grow. When you eat sugar and fat, you have another set of um, bugs that grow. And what's so interesting is the type of bugs, the type of microbiota that you have growing will affect your taste buds and tell you what you want to eat. And so making that decision, like Vicki said, making that decision to eat healthy foods until you get the colony of those good gut bacteria that start to affect your taste buds and your desire for certain foods. That's why you can't walk around forever and say, I'm not gonna eat sugar, I'm not gonna eat sugar, I shouldn't do that, But as we eat these healthy foods, we actually learn to love the Brussels sprouts, (laughs) to love those foods that feed. And so there's so much that we're learning about the the digestive system. It affects the brain. It affects our mood. And those uh, you've heard of serotonin and dopamine that's in the brain, the neurotransmitters? Well, there's more made in the gut. 95% of the serotonin is made in your gut. 50% of the dopamine that gives you motivation to do stuff is made in the gut. So gut health is very, very important. And how do we get good gut health is by eating the foods like God made, starting the day off with that. Another great reason we want to eat fiber foods is it's like a sponge. And it will absorb the bile salts, especially those soluble fibers that's found in beans and oatmeal. It absorbs the bile salts so they're excreted from the body and it helps to lower cholesterol levels. Is there any other reason why you think that fiber foods are good for you? Yes. It's very filling. It fills you up. Keeps you fuller longer, and that's the answer. We can't walk around in this society and be hungry because food is everywhere, right? And so if you have a nice big breakfast with that whole grain cereal and fruit and nuts, and then you walk by donuts someplace, then it's a different experience than if you just jumped out of bed and then you walk by the donuts, right? You have a full stomach, and so you have a brain that can start to reason and make some better decisions than if you hadn't and it helps our mood it helps us to be nicer to other people uh, so making that target of having uh, at least 10 grams of fiber at each meal will help you to reach that goal and all of these demos that we're showing you is found in the living free program and and jerry's going to be telling you about his experience with the living free program overcoming uh um, Bad habits and addictions and depression, and, and uh, finding more happiness in your life, um, is what we have found there. And when you are planning your organiz- organizing your event, there's also this amazing um, booklet that was created by uh, Madeline Hamlin, and that's also available that tells you how to set up and do these types of programs. So the next thing is the having some group interaction when you have your groups come together. And a couple of questions that we ask at just about all of our seminars after we've presented some information is to the group and you talk to somebody beside you just for a couple of minutes of what did you learn? What is it that you want to remember that you have already heard here today? And how will you apply that information into your life? These are key questions that can help us to, when we talk about what we've just learned, then we're more likely to remember that. And then what is it that I can start to apply in my personal life as I leave here? So take a few minutes and talk to somebody beside you uh, of at least one of these questions. And then I'm gonna gear up um, uh, Jerry for the next part of our presentation. Today we have Jerry Shield with us, and he's from Canada. Uh, I think most of you, Canada, I always say I'm going to be a Canadian when I grow up. I don't know why, I just love it when I go up there. (laughs) Uh, But he he has embraced God and the message of love and health and has an amazing ministry in Canada and we wanted him to come and share that with you. So thanks for being here, Jerry.
2: Thank you very much. Well, I've been blessed today. You've been all blessed? A, no, just kidding i um, yeah, very good information and practical. I find it so practical. What I'm gonna share with you today is that a little bit about the Living Free Program and how I was introduced to it and uh, how it was used on a personal level for myself and also with other, other individuals in their home. Tomorrow, what I'll be doing is showing um, some uh, presentation On how it was used, how I used it up north, I'd go away for like eight weeks in a community and just stay in that area. And how I went about introducing it to the community and to the churches in that community, then how that got involved. So that's a a two-day part on the Living Free program. Just as I uh, shared some yesterday, without getting into the details, I've dealt with these uh, situations of addiction in my life from a young age and living on the streets and the life of uh, crime and in and out of jail till the Lord touched me. And uh, I say thank him for that. And Lord, I always say that thank you for creating this all with a freedom of choice, even though it can cause a lot of pain at times. But we can all learn from it. What was happening after I reaccepted the Lord in my life in 79, I wanted to get involved in something. And I knew that from coming from uh, addiction and from alcohol and narcotics that I needed to get involved because if I just focused on quitting, I knew that that was going to cause a problem. I've tried that. I tried that many a time, you know, smashing things, trying to quit, and it just doesn't work. All you have to do is go buy more, right? So I wanted to learn. So at a period of time in my life, I was... uh, really contemplating. I was doing some work in construction. My background is actually as a massage therapist, but I, I took a break from it, and I was doing some work in construction. And I was praying about what I should be doing. And I, one day, I was back in an alley doing some work, and I saw this gentleman, Ron, come walking towards me with a white guy, and they had these bags on their shoulders. And uh, so we just car- uh, struck up a conversation, we we're talking, and uh, so Ron started to share with me a bit, and so I started to share with him, and the white guy said, see you later. He wasn't interested, but Ron was. And Ron, we're, we're, he was telling me how his uh, girlfriend died with uh, using cocaine and, and uh, all the other substance that she was using. And I, we're sitting on our tailgate of the truck, and it was about a half hour, we're sitting there. And I remember he was sitting on the left-hand side, I was sitting on the right. And I was sharing with him how I got victory and accepted the Creator in my life. I was talking in his language, but the Creator and, and Savior. And he looked at me at one time, and he goes, Jerry, he says, the problem is you're not sharing And I thought he was gonna hit me up for money when he was saying that, right? I says, Ron, what do you mean by that? And he turned around and I had wood in the truck. He turned around, Here's this guy, he turns around and he touches the wood in the truck. And he says, this is only wood. This is not your calling. Your calling is to be going to the schools, going to people, sharing with them, how you have gotten victory in your life. Imagine this is this guy telling me this. And I was just moved when we were sharing. So we spent some time talking together. And I said, Where are you going? He said, Bottle Depot. And I said, Well, hop in the truck, I'll take you. So he got in a, he had a knapsack too. He got in, a, in the passenger seat. And as just I was getting things ready to go and for him to get a seatbelt, he was rooting into in his knapsack. And you know what he pulled out? he pulled out this old, white, worn Bible. And he says, see, I have a Bible too. Amazing how God sent this gentleman to reach me because I was praying on what I should be doing. And then the message there is, you never know who you're talking to. I know even in the campsite, or I call it campsite, in the, in the meeting rooms and that, you just don't know who is present. And the thing that I have learned through this whole thing is choose my words very carefully. And because you just never know. And uh, the Lord blessed him by sending him. So I went to the Alberta camp meeting for the first time. And because I, after I reaccept my uh, Lord my life, and then we're in the church, and someone says, share, anybody has a, share, a, story, a story to share, you know? So I said, yeah, okay. So I got my camera out, and I said, I want to show you how God used this man to give me a message. And they're like this. They thought maybe I was a little loopy, right? And I said, but this guy gave me a message, and I've seen him around since then. You know, so praise God for him. And when we took the picture, I said, can I take this picture, Ron? He said, yes. And so here we are today and using that picture. So around that time, I said, okay, what are you gonna do? Do I just uh, develop something? I wanted something that was balanced because when I see material, sometimes it's all on the spiritual end, it's lacking in the physical, it lacks in the, in the psychological aspect of it. And a good friend of mine, Don Corkum, I don't know, he's a, he used to be in the States here before, a prayer partner of mine, and him and I were talking about this. And he goes, well, you know what? I know of something that would be really helpful for you. And uh, he said, when I was a president in Wisconsin, he said that, um, that I, I think he brought Vicky in or something like that. And he says, there's a program and it's called Living Free. And he says, I have a book. I have a copy of the book. He says, I'd like you to loan the book. I loan you the book. And I said, great. So he loaned me the book and I took it, and I was going through it, and at that time, I was also doing some work with a gentleman that I had met who was in the day hospital in the psychiatric ward for seven years, seven years, very, very bright man, but he was a Christian, but he was still battling with things. So what I did, Vicky, i don 't know if I told you this or not, but I took the book and I gave it to to him to look at it, and he's in this picture in this slide presentation towards the end. I said, can you take this? Because he talked a lot about CBD, cognitive behavioral therapy, changing the structure of the brain and that, right? So I said, could you take this and go through it for me? He went through it and he got back in touch with me. He says, it's very, very balanced. So I want to share that with you. So this is coming from good sources, right? He said it was very balanced. My sister is a social worker. She's not a Christian. She's a social worker. So I took her this book, okay, and I said, could you go through this and tell me what you think? And she just opened it up, and she went like this. And she handed it back to me, and she said, very good. And I says, what do you mean? I thought she was going to sit down and take it and read it. She says, I can tell by the colors and by the pictures in it that it's uplifting. I said, wow. So... I'm not here standing here trying to promote this, but I'm just saying how it's been a blessing in the information I got. And the other thing is, is that when you're putting on the program, not everybody has a testimony like some of us may have in this room. Okay, but we all have one. The really good thing about it in the book and in the DVDs that come with it, okay, they have testimonies of people that they can actually, some people in the room could relate to. So there are those, that information. So I just want to say, say, thank God for this. I really do. And um, so, so I actually, after I was going through the material, and I was in a group setting one day, and I, a gentleman came in and uh, at a, a care group uh, from another denomination, and I had been uh, uh, going there for a number of years, just uh, visiting with him, sharing with them. And uh, I, he was talking about some battles that he was having. And I could look in his eyes and I could see that he was really shaky. He was in a really, really tough spot. and He was really vulnerable. And we were talking at the end of the night and I shared a little bit about what the Lord mm-hmm. has done for me. And I, is either he asked me or I asked him, whatever, we end up we would see each other, and we would go over some things together, and I, if there's a way I could help him. And he said, great. And so what he did is actually, I, he came, I was renovating my house, an old house, and I was staying in the motorhome, and this is in summertime, right? And the house was just, stuff was all over it when I'm working on it, right? And um, anyway, he came and stayed with me that night, because he didn't want to go to his place. And um, I said, okay. We talked, and I says, well, do you need a hand with anything? And I says, um, yeah, a ride home or whatever. But he says, I don't feel safe going to my home. And I says, well, I'll come there with you. And he goes, no, I, I don't feel com- I don't feel comfortable, man, that you come there. And. I'm just sharing with him. I shared with him, you know, I've been in flop houses, banging heroin and all that stuff. I know what that stuff is like, right? So I said, you know what? Come into my place. I'm, I'm, I'm renovating my place. Come and have a look at it, right? So he came in and he looked in the door because he could see my tools. This is torn down, that's torn down. He just looked at me and he says, okay, you can come over to my place. He <laughs> felt comfortable, right? So what we did is I went and we bought some groceries together first. Okay. We got uh, groceries and he loved green bananas. So what I'm going to share with you, I have permission to share this. He's even sent Vicky an email and we talked about this. If he could be in any help, you know, he'd be willing. This is a few years ago. So I'm sharing some personal pictures here. We took them. I took them and I asked him for permission to take them if someone can, it can be useful later on, and he said yes. And he was more than willing to do that. So when you do see this, just look at some of the things that maybe you're dealing in your own life. Quite often I put up a cell phone when I show this picture. But anyway, when I walked into his house, this is what was on the floor. It was all of his bottles of gin. the diabetic sitting in that chair. The beer cans. Um, there's uh, another, from a, just from another angle, there's the bag of gro- a few bags of groceries we bought just to uh, feed him. And I looked around and I thought, okay, okay, Lord, need some help here. I remember it was on a, on a, a Wednesday. I spent a couple of days with him. Then on it, because it was a Tuesday night that I met him, spent Wednesday, we talked, and I looked and I said, You know what? I can help you here, but you're gonna have to also pitch in. I knew I had to help him clean up his environment, I knew, and that's why he didn't wanna stay there. And uh, I said, I'll help you. So I went and got some big garbage bins, and, and I said, and Now you can help. And that, and then I'll do this, and I also went to the house, and I picked up the whole Living Free program that I brought with me. And as we started to do some of the work, I said, Roger, I said, this is what we'll do. We'll do a little bit of the work, then we're going to watch some of this program when we have a break. And he said, okay. And what I would do with him, for him, I said, I'd put it on, now this guy's a very bright man. He was in the Air Force and he's just dealing with some issues, computer guy, IT guy. I would give him the remote control. I said, you f- whenever you feel like stopping, you stop. So that, you see, by doing that, I was giving him, I was empowering him. What you wanna do is you wanna empower people, even in the simplest things when they're in these situations. So I gave it to him to be in, in control. This is from another angle on how the uh, how the the uh, cupboards and everything looked, and just back backtrack here. Now, when we're working, well, I was cleaning up this, and I had an amazing experience. I'll tell you what happens when you're doing this. You'll be blessed because you'll get some insight. I'm not saying everybody's called to do this, okay? But I've been through this myself, so. The Lord is using it, right? Um, Some people, it just might be just too overwhelming to do that. But I was on the floor, scrubbing the floor, on my knees. And I know every so often we would start singing, oh, happy day. Sometimes I'll walk around and I sing, oh, happy day, right? And I was on my knees and I'm thinking, dear God, what have I gotten myself into? this place you know what have I gotten myself into when I was just there cleaning you know because it wasn't you know I was there but at the same time it was it was it's a tough thing to do right and when I was on my knees I had a revelation and a revelation was this okay it was so sweet the Lord presented to me what he left to come and get into my mess And I was sitting there, and I start crying. What the Lord left to come and get into my mess and help clean it up, and I just was—it just gave me this boost of energy. It was unbelievable, and I knew it was a spiritual moment. And uh, so he continued on, and so here's a part of the living free program right there was right on his table, I set it right there, I took the box, and what I did is, I wanted to put something positive in that room, okay? That I knew the Lord was blessing. So I wanted to create an environment also, right? That I wasn't just alone. So what we do is plug it in, and there is Miss Vicky, okay? I mean Evelyn, I mean uh, Miss Evelyn. Mrs. Evelyn, I say, call them by the first name, right? And what's really neat is that we'd be sitting back there and break time, okay, time to put the program on, you know, so this is how it all worked out, right? And Evelyn was talking, and when you mentioned about fiber today, I had the, it was something that was really amazing because when you were talking about fiber in this DV, in the DVs that come with this, it's talking with Vicky, I was sharing today, when it's talking about the fiber, He took the remote, he stopped it, he got up, he went into his cupboard. Now, this guy was weak, I mean weak. He stopped uh, with his remote, went into the cupboard, and he started bringing out all of his cereal boxes and put them on the counter. And he was standing there, and he was going, now, how much fiber is in this cereal? (laughs) And he had chucked the stuff that he didn't want. And I'm sitting there, and I'm going, Wow, this is amazing. Like I haven't met I hadn't met uh, met Vic or Evelyn yet and I'm going, oh this is, this is just awesome. I want to meet these people one day and tell them this story, right? So he'd go through that. And the other part was about changing the environment. We change our environment. I remember we were watching that in another t- a point he stopped and clicked it and he went into his closet and he got out this duffel bag that was uh, had beer advertising on it. He took it and chucked it and put it into the garbage. So it was him, He was him making these decisions. And all you do is respectfully encourage them, but empower them, because when they make the decision, okay, they they feel like they're really doing something, because they are, right? So this is how the room changed, okay? This was... And I'm not, in the, I'm not in the cleaning business, right? I'm by myself at home, right? So I'm just, you know what I mean. Um, but anyway, this is what it looked like. And you see that bowl of fruit there in that Tupperware? He did that. Because the fruit that I had in the bag, he got that Tupperware, because uh, there was a, somewhere Vicky's talking about it. Yeah, Vicky's talking about it in the program. He, he got that Tupperware. He put the fruit in it, and he put it on that counter because it was in the program, and he knew it was something to do. So right then, he was picking up on all that information. And this is that's that Tupperware, right? And this is him. Wow. And you know, here's the amazing thing. Here's the amazing thing. On that first night, we had a little bit of that room clean, but it was still a lot to go. It took a few days, but that first night... he said to me, he says, will you stay here with me? I don't feel safe. I said, I'll stay here. And I slept on that old rocker that he had that wasn't very clean. But I knew I was to be there and I just said, God, help me. Give me the strength and the Lord give me another revelation of where he brought me from. Okay, so I stayed there that, with him that night. And the really interesting thing is, Friday comes along and he says to me, he says, uh, I want to go to church with you on Sunday. And I don't talk about, I, when I'm working with people, I don't go into what churches and all that stuff. I'm, I'm doing that work and when the Lord, I ask the Lord always to present it for that person to bring something up while we're talking. And I'll I'll look for those moments, okay? Then he says to me, he goes, can I go to church with you on Sunday? I says, well, you can come to church with me this weekend, but I go to church on Saturday. He goes, really? And I said, yeah, I go to church on Saturday. He goes, well, can I come? And I said, sure. That's how he ended up coming to church. He asked about it. I didn't ask, I didn't even invite him. You know, there's times that you do, but I never invited him to come. It was because why? He saw Christ at work. He saw what Christ was doing. And there was was fellowship and there was trust that was built up. And this is his birthday. Okay? And the guy in the middle, okay, was the guy that I said was in the day hospital for seven years. He's the one who went through all the material and he said, very good, very powerful. Okay, and this is a group setting. And then there's the back of Roger. There is that. What's very important with all of us is to be careful about not staying in isolation. And when you're in isolation. You're in you're you're in trouble. There's a lot. There's a lot of temptations. You know the mind starts going and, and that. So it's very important to have group. That's the reason why I, I show this pro uh, this slide. How important it is to have group. Now it doesn't have the one last picture here for some reason. But anyway, there's a picture of Roger standing beside a taxi. Yeah, I'll find it. Go ahead and talk. And I. Uh, Maybe maybe we didn't get it in the slide. I have. You have it, but there's a picture of Roger be standing beside the taxi. And the amazing thing about that is that a friend of mine actually used to go pick up Roger when he, Roger wanted to go get liquor. Mm-hmm. Then finally, this guy you knows says, "I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't do it anymore for you. Even if I lose my job, I can't do it anymore." So what happened is, is that um, yeah, Vicky has a the picture there. Now here, what as it turns out, here's the taxi cab that he used to ride in the back of that vehicle in to go get his liquor, and he had this big rough beard and everything like that. He end up he ends up getting a job driving that same taxi. <laughs> How, isn't that amazing? I'm going to share a couple of things here before I close. Is this? Is that he had some struggles, okay, and he had relapses after this. And you know what can happen is, is that sometimes one can get discouraged, be it, be it donuts, be it alcohol, booze, wh- wh- whatever it is, shopping. Part of recovery quite often there's relapses. And that if for your own self personally, not to get over discouraged when it does happen. And if you're working along somebody or a family member is going through something and they have a relapse, don't come hard on them. You know, be there. I'm not saying if it's your child to always give them money and all that. I'm not talking about that, right? (coughs) About condoning it and, and, and what have you. But when somebody is going through that, quite often there's relapses. And there's only a few people that I have ever met that have never had a relapse. But they're also into another addiction. Might not be the same one they're into, They're into something else, okay? And that quite often happens. And I remember one time, he was almost dead. And I had to, the ambulance police took him to a hospital. And I went and picked him up. And um, I learned through this too, that I had to stay out of his moccasins, if you know what I mean? Stay out of his shoes, you know? Don't get too emotionally involved in it in these situations. Even if it's a person shopping, don't get all emotional that, that you're going to start coming down on them a lot and that. But just, just be careful. Stay out of their moccasins, right? But be there, but stay out of their moccasins. So anyway, I picked him at the hospital, and he said, you know what, they said I should be dead with all this alcohol that's been in me. He got in a truck, and he had this carry-on bag, this bag with him. And he says, you know what? Look what I got. And what it was, was from our church, was a healthcare bag just for hygiene, of a gift to him. So what they do is they give that out to everybody that goes onto that floor that's going through uh, these problems. And he goes, he was so happy that he goes, look at this. And he pointed to the name on the bag, right? He was so excited. The sad thing is, two marches ago, I got a call from a lady and she said, Roger died. And she says, I know it's Roger. They said, you know, they brought his dog in. And his dog, she worked for the uh, pet society, right? She, they brought his dog in. And the thing is, is that sometimes I go by his place and he wouldn't want me to come in. He'd stand by the door. So I'd say, okay. That's okay. I'd just stand there. Let him talk. Be with him for a while. And I, anyway, so what happened? He had a little dog, uh, Zeus, that was his friend. And um, the day before, I found out. It was winter time, And I drove down his laneway. And I just looked, I didn't see any tire tracks from his vehicle. I was just praying, that, hoping that he was okay. And uh, anyway, he wasn't. He was actually dead in that apartment for approximately seven days. And he didn't have any siblings. And somebody, I remember we went somewhere, and he goes, you two brothers? And his face just lit right up, because he thought that we looked alike. And, um, he, and then he, he said, can I put you down as my next to can? So when I found out, I went to the RCMP, which is the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, Introduce myself, and uh, they said, come on in, and we talked. And uh, they wanted some information, and, and uh, so I told them. A uh, very thoughtful officer. And uh, I, so I talked with the, uh, the landlord, and also with the public trustee. I already phoned the government. I already made steps, uh, start got things moving along. And uh, I went with the, in, with the landlord, and I didn't know what I was going to see in that place. I didn't know if there was going to be these bottles all over the place or what it was, right? And when I went in, the place was, it wasn't the neatest, but there wasn't one liquor bottle. There wasn't one liquor cap. When I would t- had to take care of his car, there was none of it in his car. His heart gave out. His heart gave out, and they found him on the floor, and his heart gave out. And then then the, the newspaper wanted to do a story, so they did a story about a guy and his dog and about our connection together. Then from there, I had to start planning his service. Then I had his service for him. And I um, invited some friends that were uh, pallbearers and his dog, Zeus, that was always by his side, came into the chapel as an honorary pallbearer and you know it was one of these things that was special and um he was very kind-hearted and he was what was always bugging him because he also worked in the um radar he worked during the cold war and in the air force and that and he always wondered if he killed any children he was dealing with that so he was dealing with some mental health issues. And as the more I got to know him, okay, the more I understood what he was going through. And I just want to share that as a word of encouragement that you will find people in your path, and you might have relatives, you might even have children that are going through some of this stuff to some degree. And what I do is when I present this in a church, which I have, churches that, that when you see all those liquor bottles, I pull out a cell phone and I say, just imagine that maybe this, your phone or your device, whatever it is in life, replace it with one of those liquor bottles on the floor because we're all in the same boat. We're all going through different things. And I just say, honestly, I thank God with all my heart that when I was going through stuff in my life, that God did not stand there with size 13 steel-toed boots ready to kick me around and stomp me but was reached out and put people in a chickadee that I love, I love chickadees, put chickadees in my path and helped me along my walk. So I, I just wanted to encourage you and, and say that, you know, never give up on somebody that you know that is going through something in life. The other thing is I've learned with meeting Ron, not to judge people. You never know who you'd be talking to, and who has a word for you along the way. So I just want to say thank you, and uh, God bless you, and it's a pleasure to be here. Tomorrow, we'll be going into uh, how to use this more. This is on a personal level. Um, actually, the, the guy that was sharing, I showed the book in Day Hospital. I spent days just going into his place. I need to share one thing about him, and it's okay to share this. When I met this guy that was sitting in the day hospital, um, see, I can go a couple minutes over time. (laughs) No one's behind me. But anyway, yes, there is. But I'm gonna share something very quickly. I met him, he lived only a couple blocks from me in his yard and we got talking. And he talked about, told me that he was into into a a Bible college and all that stuff and they tried to pray demons out of him and he ended up in the hospital. He believed Satan was actually spiking his milkshakes leaving it so that it's how real it was for him, okay? And when they couldn't pray these so-called demons out of him, they just backed off from him, and he really went into a tough spot. Yeah. So he didn't want to talk to anybody about religion. He didn't want to go to any church, right? And he told me that we were in the parking lot. So I said, hey, I didn't bring it up, but he was saying that. And he was telling me about a little piece that he was missing on his vehicle, an old Chevy truck. I love Chev's. But anyway, I said, you know what? I have a couple of those pieces in, in my shed. I said, you can have them. He goes, really? And I said, yeah, they're all yours, man. Just come over anytime you want to. I wasn't thinking anything. I was just saying, hey, this is something that he needs, right? And if there's ever an opportunity that Lord could use me so he can get some peace in his life, amen. That was my prayer, right? And I just backed off. About six months later, he called me. He says, let's get together. So we start getting together on Tuesday nights, okay? It would be at a restaurant somewhere. It would be in a vehicle. I remember one time we're in a parking lot, and it was cold out in this parking lot, and the people around, you know, and we're sitting there talking, and, and the motor was off. I didn't waste all the gas, and all the windows got steamed up in the vehicle, right? Then people were looking. I said, he said, Darren, I think we better start this vehicle. Here, because we're holding hands, having prayer. Okay? (laughs) So I said, Lord. So these things happen. They're quite quite comical, right? And I actually have pictures of that, him laughing, of him wiping the window. So anyway, what happened with it is that he, I go to his place for, for I think it was close to a year, never brought a Bible with me. Never brought a Bible with me. But we'd have talks. I'd let him, he would, I'd find out where he was at and he would talk. Then I'd come in and we'd talk. And that morning, the one day I was saying, you know, I have something I'm going to have to share with him this day. So I went to his place and I said, I want to share with you my favorite verse in the Bible. And like I said, never never went to his place of the Bible because he was dealing with psychosis, right? So what he said to me, he says, Hold on a second, I have something to share to you with you. He went in his bedroom and he brought out his Bible. First time I saw him holding the Bible, and he says, I have a verse to share with you. He opened it up, and it was John 3:16, and it was the same verse I wanted to share with him. But instead of For God so loved the world. I said, for God so loved Darren. I said, see Darren, I have my name written in that Bible. And you know, that's how everything unfolded with him and he became part of a a group that we're involved in. So God will use people. So thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you for your love, your unconditional love for us, Lord, and the blessings that you have given us. Thank you for the plan of salvation the most precious gift. And Lord, we thank you for creating us with a freedom of choice, even though the cost that it cost. Mm -hmm. But also, Lord, we know that by exercising our freedom of choice with good, sound information is one of the most powerful things on earth to exercise and make a decision. So we want to say thank you, Lord, bless us. And Lord, we pray for the, uh, the next program that is on. May the Holy Spirit Lead the people here for that special blessing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen
0: to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.